0: Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. Okay, welcome to the second week of our summer evening series, Big Messages from Small or Little Books. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sylvia, and I have the privilege of being part of the pastoral team here at Gateway Last week, Chris spoke on Philemon, and this week, my choice is the book of Haggai. Now, I know some people pronounce it Haggai, and some people pronounce it Haggai, I pronounce it Haggai, and I always have done, so I'm just telling you in advance, so that when I say Haggai, you don't get irritated with me, okay? So rightly or wrongly, tonight, we're going to be talking about the book of Haggai. Okay, here we go. Haggai is the second shortest book in the Old Testament, so with two chapters and a total of just 38 verses, it fits well into our summer series that we've called Big Messages from Small Books. As much as the book of Haggai is small, the message is by no means small. It's a message from God to the Israelite people, direct and at times confronting exhorting them to begin again to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem. When the Jewish exiles returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and the temple, after their 70 years of captivity in Babylon, they got no further with the temple rebuild than laying the foundations and repairing the foundations. And then discouragement and lack of resource, maybe, caused the work to stop. And it stayed that way for the next 15 years. The foundations laid, but everything else still in a state of disrepair. And it's into that situation that God sends the prophet Haggai to speak to his people. We'll look at Haggai's message through through the light of a truth that Paul spoke to the Corinthian church. And as we do, we will find That not only is Haggai a historical account of God's dealings with the Israelite people over 500 years ago, but it's a book God is speaking to us through now as clearly and as loudly as he did then over two and a half thousand years later. Remember, Haggai's message was for the people to rebuild God's temple in Jerusalem. So let's see what Paul says that dovetails with that message. Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. We know that the Jews had already restored the foundations of the temple around 15 years before Haggai came on the scene, but it failed to continue with the the rebuilding. Our foundation, yours and mine, the foundation that we make a deliberate choice to lay is our salvation in Christ. The day we commit our lives to God, the foundation stone of our faith is laid. So, if we have laid the foundation stone, we have a question to ask ourselves. Have we, just like the Israelites, after laying the foundation stone of Christ in our lives, stopped building the temple? Or where are we on the rebuild? Maybe we've started the build, but the process has slowed down, or even like the Israelites, ground to a halt. Have we been content with laying the foundation stone but complacent in the building, turning a blind eye to the possibility that our lives are knowingly or unknowingly being tainted by the world's ways, ideologies, and behaviors. God calls us to live lives that honor him in every dimension of who we are and what we do. And yet, how often we allow society and the spirit of this age to dictate not only how we will build, but even if, like the Israelites, we will ever begin to rebuild. Matthew Henry, he's a 17th century, or was a 17th century minister and author, says this he is deceived, who deems himself the temple of the Holy Spirit, yet is unconcerned about personal holiness. Building the temple for us is about building a lifestyle of holiness and purity into our lives, where the Holy Spirit delights to come and live. It is about honoring God in our thoughts, actions, and every dimension of our lives, not only in the places where we can be seen, but in those places that only God can see. In the first message that Haggai spoke to the Israelite people, God said, My people procrastinate. They say this isn't the right time to rebuild my temple, the temple of God. Or as another version puts it, The time has not yet come. They never said they would not build the temple. They simply said, not yet. They knew it needed to be done, but were putting it off, and concentrating instead on the building of their own personal homes and dwellings. It was those personal homes that had taken their focus, their time, their energy, and their finances over and above the temple of God. And anything that takes our focus of God, whether it is a home, a relationship, a career, entertainment, social media usage, whatever it is, it can be to us as the Israelites' private dwellings were to them. In and of themselves, they may not be wrong, but when they become our priority, occupying more of our time, our thoughts, our finances or our energies than God does, then maybe we have things like the Israelites out of balance. It's unusual for people to actually verbalize the fact that they're not going to change their lives around. But by their continued actions, it appears that's exactly what they are saying. The enjoyment of their sin is what binds them into their behavior. And just like the Israelites, they are declaring this isn't the right time to rebuild the temple. So what happened next to the Israelites? Well, God challenges them. Take a good, hard look at your life. Think it over. And just so they took notice, two verses later, he says the same thing. Take a good, hard look at your life and think it over. A good, hard look isn't just a cursory glance The phrase speaks of focused self-examination. Verse 7 in the Amplified puts it like this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, your previous and your present conduct, and how you have fared. Then God goes on to tell them what he wants them to do. Verse 8, he says, climb up into the hills and cut some timber, bring it down, and rebuild the temple. Now, that doesn't sound too hard, does it? But how easy it is for us in the 21st century to overlook just what that request meant. This was taking place 500 years before Christ. There was no going to placemakers on Mitre 10, loading up pre-cut timber into a trailer and driving it to the building site. Jerusalem is located in the central hill country. It rests on hills and mountains, and the terrain is rugged. There were no chainsaws, no cranes as we know them, or logging trucks. The stone that was used in the rebuild would have come from the limestone quarries, which were at least one kilometre uphill from the temple, where the limestone blocks would have been chiseled out by hand using pickaxes. Wooden rollers, rudimentary wagons, and oxen would probably have been the method of moving the timber and the stone. This was no easy task that God was requesting. This was God asking the Israelites to put in the hard yards, the hard work needed to rebuild the temple. And his challenge now to us is are we willing to put in the hard yards to build and sanctify our lives, these temples, particularly if we have allowed the sacred habitation of God in our lives to be contaminated by things of the world? After God tells them what he wants them to do, he goes on to make a startling pronouncement. You expected much, But see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. Therefore, because of you, God says, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called, he said, for a drought on the fields and the mountains. What a confronting statement is that. Not only for the Israelites then but for us now too. It often doesn't sit well with us that God disciplines us or withhold things from us. But in Hebrews, it says, my dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. And in the very next verse, in Haggai, God says, Therefore the heavens above you, for your sake, withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its produce. For their sake. If God had blessed them with abundant crops, they would have continued on in their own sin and selfish ways. And the temple would probably never have been rebuilt. So, because he wanted his best for them, God chose to hold back on his full blessing. We too often live in our own selfish ways, not really thinking about how we are building our lives, except to sometimes wonder why, like the Israelites, our lives are not really as fruitful as we think or expect that they should be. How easy it is for us to blame the enemy when things are not going well for us. And sometimes it is the enemy. But let's listen again to what God spoke to the Jewish people. You expected much, he said, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Please don't hear me saying that every time something goes wrong for us or does not go well for us, it's our own fault. That's not what I'm saying. But when things aren't going well, we need to stop and ask the question, why? Maybe it is the enemy. Or perhaps it's simply issues of life, the fact we live in a fallen world. But also, could it be sometimes that we, like the Israelites, have not responded to something God has asked us to do and are continuing on in our own independent ways? When things are not going smoothly, have you ever noticed how people have a propensity to always blame the enemy. Now, we do ourselves a disservice if we blind our eyes to the fact that the enemy does desire to cause havoc in our lives. But we do ourselves a greater disservice when we give him more attention, more focus, power, and credit than we give to God. Israel was an agrarian society And God's comments would have cut to the very core of who they were and what they did. Agriculture was their life, and yet it appears they did not care. In Haggai 2, it says, Isn't it true that your foot-dragging, half-hearted efforts at rebuilding the temple of God were reflected in a sluggish halfway return on your crops? It didn't seem to faze you. You continued to ignore me. Don't you just love the way the message puts it sometimes? The Israelites are ignoring God. They were going through the motions of faith. They were still offering sacrifices at the temple, even though it was in a state of disrepair. But there was a point of disobedience in their own hearts that kept them from responding to God's command to rebuild the temple. I wonder if you or I ever go through the motions of faith while at the same time in our hearts we are holding back on something that God has asked us to do or maybe asked us to stop doing. Please understand that God's words to the Israelites do not come from an angry God who is ticked off because his people have failed to complete the temple he has asked them to rebuild. These words come from a loving father who wants the very best for his children, and yet he sees their sin and is deeply grieved. He sees their sin. And he knows the damage it would do to them if they continue in it. And so he steps in to draw their attention to their current state. Imagine a natural parent whose child is consistently failing to do what you have asked them to do. Often, as a parent, you withdraw something until the behaviour changes, or you put your child in time out and withdraw your close presence until they recognize what they've done and say, sorry. That's how our loving Heavenly Father disciplines us. It comes from a heart of love. The Israelites responded to God's rebuke, and in Haggai 1 verse 12, it says, they listened to and obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, not vaguely or partly, but completely, according to the words of Haggai. And the people reverently feared and worshipfully turned to the Lord. In short, they repented. And I am amazed at how God responds back to them. Verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. Would that have been my response if I was God? I don't think so. Here were a people who had been living in sin for years, turning deaf ears to God's request to them. But there was no slap on the wrist, no sharp rebuke, just four simple words that were filled with hope. I am with you. God knew that's what they needed to hear to encourage them. And often, that's what we need to hear too. It doesn't mean to say we don't have to do the hard yards or the hard work to get us out of our sinfulness. But when God speaks those words, I am with you, what a moment before seemed impossible, now seems possible. Hard work and difficult but possible. God doesn't drop us like a hot potato when we fail, when pride grips us, when idolatry causes our eyes to focus on something other than God, when lies begin to creep in, when rebellion rules, when we fall sexually, when we are caught in a web of addiction, in the clutches of pornography. What he does say when we recognize our sin and turn back to him is i am with you let's rebuild together let's do the hard yards together you know at this present time sexual addiction pornography and illicit sexual behavior is pandemic it has no age gender or social barrier And it has wrapped its destructive arms around our young people, the older generation, singles, married, men, women, non-Christian and Christian alike. The enemy doesn't particularly care who he enslaves as long as he does. And it appears at this moment in time he's making a pretty good job of it, even in, and dare I say, especially in the church, The spirit of this age has found its way into what should be the sanctified temple of God. 1 Corinthians says, don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. There is an interesting verse right at the beginning of the book of Haggai. It's in the fourth, it's the fourth verse in the first chapter, and it says, God said, you live in your sealed houses, and this house, his temple, lie waste. That word sealed comes from a root word in the Hebrew language that means to hide by covering. How often do we live in our sealed houses? How often do we hide and cover over our sins so that it is not visible to others? And we go on indulging in something we know is wrong, and yet, well, it's not hurting anyone, and nobody knows. In short, what we are saying is, this isn't the right time to rebuild the temple. Others may not see, others may not know, but God does. So what happened to God's people in Jerusalem after God called them to account and they repented? Verse 14, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people, They came and began work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. Look at that order there. First, God stirs up their spirit, and then, second, they began work. They did not come, and then when God saw them working hard, he stirred them up. This is God pouring out his grace on them for the task that needed To be done. God is immutable. He is unchanging. He was faithful then, He's faithful now. If we have stopped building the temple of God and have allowed our behaviour and thoughts in whatever dimension to desecrate our lives, these temples, then we need to begin to start the work again so that with His grace, we can walk in purity, integrity, and holiness. Haggai 2, verse 4, and God says, But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, be strong, O Joshua, be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Strong there means to grow strong. If we wait to be strong before we approach anything, the likelihood is we will never start and never do it. It is in the doing that our strength comes. Before we start, everything within us will be saying, I can't do this. But just as God reassures the Israelites again in this verse, he encourages us and reassures us too with those four hope-filled words, I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. I wish I had a dollar for every time I've told God, I can't do this. I would definitely have a few more dollars in the bank than I do now. But I'm so glad that I can actually be honest with him. Believe me, over the years I have stamped my feet thrown a few tantrums, whipped tears of frustration as I've told him, I can't do this. But God never stops encouraging our hearts to continue on walking in his ways. And in Haggai 2.5, he speaks to the Israelites and reminds them of his ever-constant presence. Haggai 2.5 according to the promise that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit stands and abides in the midst of you. Fear not. The message version says, I'm living and breathing among you right now. Don't be timid. Don't hold back. There were a group of Jews at this time who remembered the size and the grandeur of Solomon's temple. That was the first temple, the one that was destroyed when the Israelites were taken into captivity. Her regarded this rebuild as a poor substitute. Solomon's original temple had housed the Ark of the Covenant, the place of God's presence, which was now no longer in Israel's possession. And at the dedication of the first temple, the temple had been filled with the glory of God. As the Jews began to grumble about this, Haggai prophesied that the second temple, the one they were rebuilding, would one day have a magnificence to outshine the glory of the first, despite the people's disappointment now. And 500 years later, Haggai's word was fulfilled when Jesus walked in the temple courts the, temp- the temple the Israelites had built in response to Haggai's word was not as outwardly impressive as Solomon's, but it had a greater glory as the Messiah himself walked in the courts of the rebuilt temple. In Haggai 2, we have an amazing promise and encouragement to us as we begin to put in the hard work we need to do to rebuild our lives, these temples. Haggai 2 verse 9. This temple is going to end up far better than it started out. A glorious beginning, but an even more glorious finish. A place in which I will hand out wholeness and holiness. I will grant peace, it says in the NIV. A promise that as we begin to clean up our lives and begin the journey to rebuild these temples, He will meet with us. He promises that he will bring peace and wholeness. He does not promise us it will be easy, but it will be possible. As we continue to walk in holiness, allowing God to sift through the rubble of our lives, then it gives more room for him to live within us. 2 Corinthians 3, 18... And as the spirit of the Lord works within us we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more the journey of holiness is an individual journey in haggai 2:12 and 13 it tells us that holiness is not infectious it cannot be caught it is a journey that we determine to make for ourselves But unholiness, on the other hand, is infectious and can be caught. It operates on the principle of osmosis. And the dictionary definition of osmosis is the process by which people or ideas influence each other gradually and subtly. And that is exactly how the spirit of this age affects us. We don't always do anything intentional to make it so, (coughs) but subtly, and sometimes without us even knowing, we find our standards have slipped, and we discover that we have allowed the ways of this world system to infiltrate and influence our actions, thoughts, and lives. Last week, I switched on the television to watch a program, that I always used to watch. I'm not going to tell you what it was. A very funny program. It's a comedy. And I used to love it, and I hadn't watched it for a while. So I switched it on, and I sat down to watch. And two minutes later, I had my finger on the mute button. I thought, well, I'll just mute it for a minute. And then I switched off the mute button, and it started again. And it's like, I can't do this. I can't allow that stuff to go into my mind. Had I watched it before? Yes, I had. Had it bothered me before? Sort of. I'd throw the channel over to the other side and then come back in, justifying myself, thinking, well, I'm not watching the bad bit. I had allowed this world system to infiltrate my mind. We must make a choice to walk in personal holiness and continue making choices in everything we do, to walk it out day by day, building into our lives, into these temples, walls of purity and holiness. I wonder if I could have the musicians back, please. As I've spent time delving into Haggai, I have felt incredibly grateful. Grateful as memories have been stirred of God's faithfulness in my own walk as when, over the years, I have endeavoured with him to rebuild the many areas of brokenness in my life. In the times, the many times that I have faltered and hesitated, being more aware of the cost and the hard work than the outcome, he has been both patient in my hesitations and kind in his necessary discipline pouring out a relentless stream of grace for the journey. And I have been challenged too, as I've read this book, challenged to walk and to look afresh at my own life and consider where I am in the building process and where I have allowed the ways of the world to subtly infiltrate my life. May I encourage you, to take some time to read through this book. Asking God where you are in the building process. Maybe you are progressing well, or perhaps the build at some point started, but has now stalled. Or maybe you haven't started. You've laid the foundation stone, but that's as far as it's gone. The Israelites worked for just four years to complete the rebuild of God's temple. Oh, how I wish it could be done in four years. But for you and I, it's a lifetime journey. So, as we close tonight, let's open our hearts to hear God speaking through us to us through Haggai. Take a good hard look at your life. Think it over. Consider your ways, your previous and present conduct, and how you have fared. And then, wherever we are on the journey, let's allow his voice to speak to us, as it did to the Israelites all those years ago. I, I'm with you, says the Lord of hosts. Let's rebuild together. Let's do the hard work together. Thanks for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.